This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Welcome to the 111th episode of Lake of Rage Pokemon Trading Card Game Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Clementi, a.k.a. Mellow underscore Magikarp. I'm joined today by a very special tempered guest host, joining us fresh off of a first place finish. That is the champion at the North American International Championship. We have the one and only Cyrus Davis. Cyrus, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. It's a busy week. Um, excited to talk about some Urshifu telling on action today so we'll get we'll get more to the deck but as you say that is it an urshvu deck or an inteleon deck or an octillery deck uh, maybe? I call, yeah i call it an inteleon deck uh but i think that's more because for me i had like two uh winning ins to day two at regionals last season where i lost inteleon vmax so <laughs> by calling it inteleon deck inteleon gets to like redeem itself in my my eyes by winning me the international championship Gotcha. So it's officially this, this is canon now. No one can argue with this. Yeah. It is no, it's... Inteleon Urshifu, not yeah, Urshifu they, Inteleon. Yeah, everyone, if only real Inteleon Urshifu players know know the lore, you know? <laughs> I think after this episode, you're going to hopefully convert quite a few people into the deck. Because, again, we'll talk more about the deck later, but it's a deck that... This includes myself. This includes my testing group. We were like, yo, this deck seems cracked, right? Shout out to Elliot. I'm, I know you're listening to this one. Elliot was like, why doesn't this beat everything in the meta? And it's like, I can't beat everything in the meta with it. And, you know, <laughs> I think when people start to hear some of the lines and stuff like that, you'll hopefully get some converts hopefully over to it. Convert, yeah. Uh, but anyway, the, what we're going to get into, the first thing is going to be some rapid strike questions. Of course, Cyrus, the first time on the podcast, so we'll get into that in a second. <laughs> then we're going to talk about why you chose Urshifu, how your NAIC run went, and then maybe some of the stuff in the deck moving forward. You know, Worlds is coming up. It's in the same format. And it is no secret that people are going to be looking at Inteleon, or sorry, Urshifu. No, it's Inteleon. Inteleon Urshifu for... <laughs> world's day one and uh, maybe they put it down quickly maybe they don't but uh some of those thoughts on the deck so first thing rapid strike questions you will have 60 seconds to answer as many as you can no explanations just straight off the dome okay. what is your favorite etc are you ready i'm ready question number one winter or summer uh winter what's your favorite snack uh chips what flavor uh like lays plain dip is like the optimal what's your favorite retro format to play uh maybe 2010 maybe um like 2018 what's your favorite deck you've ever played probably just for nostalgia reasons evil till garb because that was like my first competitive deck would you rather be late or be early Oh, definitely early. Favorite internationals location you've been to? Oh, uh, Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo is amazing. Uh, super salad. Uh, soup. Toppings on your perfect pizza. A topping on my perfect pizza? Uh, bacon, green olives, mushrooms, and pepperoni, chili flakes. All of them if I can. Let's go. <laughs> what color sleeves do you use? <laughs> Uh, I like to mix it up, but I think my favorite that I've used at like a major were uh, Dragon Shield Ivories. And people who are watching on YouTube might already know the answer to this one, but cats or dogs? Uh, cats. cats. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was just walking by, so. Yeah, those are on YouTube. You definitely saw uh, probably not the only time we're going to see. What's their name? No, Luna. She she loves interrupting at the best possible moments it's probably not the only time we're going to see luna walk across the screen <laughs> no i got headphones on i won't even notice they're coming up sneaking up on me so <laughs> so we ended up with uh you got through 11 questions that's pretty good that is that's actually an f still it's still a 55 out of 20 but you know 
It's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm no longer the rapid strike expert. Unfortunately not. We have to take away that title and I'm really sorry. I'm also yeah. going to need that prize money from you. I'll send, I'll oh, send okay, you my okay. Venmo. I don't have it yet, but yeah. <laughs> uh, we can also, this is an important one. We can share a pizza because that sounded amazing. <laughs> you just rattled that off at the top of your dome. And I was like, wait, I would. Yeah, this sounds great. Let's get a pizza right now. <laughs> yeah let's do it um anyway we're here for pokemon this is a pokemon trading card game podcast of course right so we're gonna get into a little bit about that naic run and of course the first and foremost is inteleon urshifu a deck that like i said my testing group mentioned it and i assume every other testing group in the world mentioned it of like so why isn't this broken and then we all decided almost everyone someone listened to this like I, I played it okay you did most of us decided this deck is unplayable we cannot bring it to the largest tournament ever why did you bring Inteleon Urshifu to the largest tournament ever? What made it the play? Honestly, it's one of those plays that, like, it does obviously, like, a, a like riskier play because you have some, like, auto lots that you just can't beat, um, and it's not, like, the most consistent deck in the world. I think, honestly, I played it because I was approaching the event more casually. I already had my invite, but even if, like, I did, even if I won, which I did, I didn't make top 16. I think I finished, like, 18th North America. Um... So, like, it, because I was taking the event a little bit more casually, I didn't really stress as much about, like, ah, oh, what if my deck just doesn't work? Oh, what if what if I hit a bunch of Mew? Like, I'm just like, oh, like, the deck's good. It has good matchups across the board, pretty much, except for Mew. Um, and, like, schedule, like, kind of even a little bit slightly unfavored against Lugia. So I'm just like, oh, let's play it. Like, <laughs> I, I locked it in, like, two weeks before. I have very little testing with it. And I was just like, yeah, it seems good. So very little testing with it. In my mind, this deck is very difficult to play. The damage counter placements are incredibly precise, knowing when to yoga loop and setting up the having a bench space open so you can bench the Urshifu or, you know, all these like little plays. You have to think not just one turn ahead, not just two, but sometimes like three turns, four turns ahead. And in this game, that's all of the turns in this format. How did you succeed without testing this deck much? Are you someone who's like, I can pick up any deck and play it? Or did you just learn as you went and it happened yeah. to work? Well, yeah, without being like, like cocky, but I guess like I. If you were an international I, champion. You, know, you can be cocky. <laughs> pure, like Peoria Regionals. I, I topped the team with Arcudra. I built that the deck the day before. Salt Lake City. I didn't test Arctina before going eight zero in day one until the day before. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very comfortable with like, and obviously those are Arc decks, so it's like a little bit different. Um, although I did day two Toronto with an Alolan Vulpix Lost Box list that I made the day before, so that 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 deck was hard to play. Um, but uh, I think it's just, like, for me, I think the confidence just comes from, like, the experience playing. Like, sure, like, I didn't test that. I didn't start testing Rapid Drake until, like, Thursday. Um, but, like, Thursday I, like, is in the tournaments the next day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, I, like, I did a lot of theorying about the matchups. Um, I had some friends test, like, who were testing it, um, testing the list that I gave them. Um, and I think it just comes with, like, the amount of time that I've been playing. It's like, I haven't played that much Rep Trigger Shifu, but I've played that much of, like, similar decks. I've played lots of Yoga Loop decks. Um, i played a lot of, um, Dark Box and Teleon, which is a lot of, like, pinging stuff and then Yoga Looping and then mm -hmm. taking big knockouts. That deck um, is super fun, by the way. So I think, yeah, I love it. Um, that was the deck that I lost twice to in Helion VMAX last season, but I was like, well, they oh. Cheryl, okay, good game. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> not a good matchup. <laughs> no. Um, and I think that, like, I always say this about, like, when people ask me, like, why I just pick up decks last minute, and it's like, well, when you've played Pokemon for so long, every deck is like a deck that you've played before. You might not have tried this deck, but, like, you know how decks similar um, in the past have worked, and then you, as long as you have like a core understanding of the game and how every deck works, then when you sit down and you know what your opponent's playing, you can sort of take you know a couple extra seconds for your first couple turns to theorize out how this game's gonna go. Mm -hmm. How long have you been playing? I started playing uh, casually in about 2012 when I attended my first tournament, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I wasn't allowed to go outside of Ontario for tournaments until about, like, 2018. Um, but I, like, I played, like, semi-competitively, like, city championships and, like, local, like, Toronto regionals um, up until that point. So about 10 years. 
Um, and then 2018 was the first time I was allowed to leave Ontario for a tournament um, by my parents. And that was uh, the my second best event finish, which was my top four at the Dallas Regionals. Okay. So you've been playing for a while, even if it was like a lot of local. And then, I mean, the success <laughs> that you've had is immense in that time when you were allowed to travel. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it, it definitely was like very reassuring to like be allowed to travel and then immediately sort of like break out and uh, been doing pretty consistently since. So. Very nice. OK, so for anyone listening who's like, oh, I can just pick up a deck randomly. Uh, it sounds like if you've been playing that long, <laughs> that might be good advice. <laughs> but uh, be be careful with that one. <laughs> otherwise, yeah, for sure. I, I definitely like tend to recommend, especially for newer players, that they just pick a deck a few weeks in advance and like understand how the deck works on a fundamental level is the most important thing. So I want to get into a little bit about the run that you had with Inteleon Urshifu, because I did. I mentioned earlier, I didn't have your Pokestats live pulled up, but I did take a look at it a couple days ago. And you had a very interesting matchup spread compared to what the meta was. Because the meta was like a lot yeah. of Gardevoir, a fair amount of Lost Box, and uh, that's not the majority of what you hit throughout the day. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of RCS. How did those go? Because all right, let me also preface this: I know we're going to get to the finals. If you haven't watched the finals and top four, go back and watch them. They're amazing. We're going to spoil them, but great matches. In my mind, you get clapped by Arceus Duraludon. <laughs> And you did beat several of them, not just in the finals, spoiler alert, I guess, but you you beat several of them throughout the day as well. So how yeah, how is this going when your opponent flips over an Arceus? What are you like, oh I'm a feast on this? You're like, please no Duraludon or like Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy when my opponent flips over an Arceus. I actually like wasn't even hundred percent sure on the Antelion or Shifu like remove energy hitting into a Duraludon interaction. Like I hadn't because I hadn't tested the deck that much. Like, I wasn't like 100% sure on what the interaction was. Luckily, I hit it round one. So I got to find out round one <laughs> and got that ruling <laughs> way before I needed to prep against the interrupt. Um, but, uh, and I think like both, all of the, I've hit four Arcadura over the course of the tournament. Um, I 2 0'd uh, Roswolf and Jackson Ford, who are both phenomenal players. Very good players, and yeah. And yeah, I went 1 2 against uh, Christian Labella, who I always say is the only Duraldon player I'm willing to lose to. Uh, he lives like an hour away from me. So, um, and then, um, then obviously Ian Rob in the finals. But and I also had one Arc Gujo, which is a very similar matchup to play. Um, and I think that like in general, if you go first, you have like a pretty pretty big advantage. Mm -hmm. um, if if you get to turn two, a turn two knock on an RCS, especially if you get a turn two rapid flow, like that's just game. Um, turn two rapid flow is pretty much game. Getting an early 120 damage on the Duraldon that they're going to attack with. Um, Turn to escape rope is also pretty much game. They're giving you an Arceus or they're giving you a Draladon. Um, my hardest matches against Ar Arctura were just when like they happened to start Alakazam, which isn't very likely, obviously, or uh, Spear Tomb because I ha like had to hit rope to do anything meaningful on my second turn. Um, but like I honestly like I was pretty content with the matchup. I think it's definitely um, slightly unfavored going second, but um, that's only if like they know how to play it perfectly too. Like. Not everyone, people aren't prepared to play against Italian or Shifu, especially like first few rounds, right? Like, so, uh, like my first round against um, Russ Wolf, like, when they bit us new, the Dural and Italian interaction right away. Um, what is yeah, the ruling for people who might not be familiar? So, you can't, so yeah, you, there's, because uh, the damage is calculated before the energy was removed, your attacks do not do any damage to Dural on, even with removing the energy. Cool. Um, and I think that like really I was learning the matchup as I went um, those first my first two rounds against it um, and I think a lot of time like it just comes down to like they only have so many things they can start if they start an arc and you're going first you're going to be able to knock that out turn two they have to hit trinity charge um, if they start a dura you're going to be able to do that do 150 damage to that turn two that's already going to set you up to only need to hit that with Inteleon with double water once and you play double melanie you leave a cheryl in there at some point and it's pretty much over mm -hmm. um if they start um luminion it's a, like or umbreon then that's like an easy echoing horn target you don't even have to deal with a duraludon ever <laughs> so like the matchup's really just not that bad um unless they you know in order for them to have a good shot they have to like open like rts trinity charge or 
open uh, a single prizer so that they have something to like shield against your first hit. Um, otherwise, I think that you just sort of outpace them in the attacks back and forth, especially if you got Sherilyn in the mix. Okay, you're giving me some confidence in the uh, in the deck right now because I was one of those matchups. I was like, Nana, you don't, you don't beat this. <laughs> And then I, I counted you out before the finals too, for what it's worth. I am one of those haters. So. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people did for sure. I'll be like, how are you going to beat that? I'm like, I'm just going to go play Pokemon. <laughs> I didn't press it all the night before or anything. I was like, whatever. I mean, I guess that's, that's like super fair though. It's like, you didn't test the night before. My brain's like, why? That's ridiculous. And then it's like, actually, you played multiple of them and it's not like the matchups. It's Arcdura. Like, there's not yeah, many like, lines are going to do that's different. Yeah. And it's like, I'm just going to like, I, I I was confident that I like knew how to play the matchup. I, there's how like I had his list. Um, Shout out to Stefan Ivanov who got it for me the night before. So like I knew like what text to play around and stuff. I knew there was like a choice belt that could be really relevant. I knew he didn't play Bolo, which was huge. Um, but uh, I think in general, just like I think it's way better for me. Like the night before, like well, I only have to play one game tomorrow, right? Like. I, I know the matchup. I know what I'm doing. Um, I'm just going to psych myself out if I, like, sit down at a table and, like, somehow lose to it six games in a row, right? I'd rather just, like, I had a couple drinks. I just <laughs> went to bed and uh, got up bright and early. Right on. So you valued the, like, the mental aspect of, like, I'm not going to make myself feel better about the matchup. I'm only going to make myself feel worse, potentially. Yeah, like... It, if I win a bunch of games and like, that's great, but I could just like, that's not, if I can win a bunch of games today, I can win a bunch of games tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess <laughs> like, I, I felt like I knew how to play the match. I didn't need to prep it that much more. I'd rather just like have the, the mental break, especially after like 15 rounds of Swiss. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that actually. Cause like knowing the mental side of the game is so massive and you're like, I've played a lot of Pokemon. I know the matchup. Like I need to not play Pokemon right now <laughs> so I can do it tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. I love that. That's actually like such good advice in, in this specific situation. Again, not everyone, maybe depending on the matchup and the deck and stuff like that. But in this specific situation, that is so yeah, great. Sure. I absolutely love hearing that so much. <laughs> what are some of the other? So I mentioned I want to point the Arctura because those stuck out to me of like there's W's next to this multiple times. This is I need to know. Yeah. But what are some of those other matchups you hit that were maybe a little more interesting? Like I said, I remember there was Maridon in there. If that was an interesting matchup, tell me. Because I don't think that's a very... Or like Arctina, it's, you should never lose that, right? Yeah. Yeah, Arctina and Maridon both are pretty like linear matchups the way that you play them. You just, you know, you attack with Urshifu as much as possible. Um, sometimes you have to attack with... I, I, I kept prizing against every... Arce, like, I, I hit 10 Arceus into Maridon, so my Urshifus are pretty important. Um... I kept prizing one, like, almost every game. So I was, like, I was a smash, smash turning, I think it's, what's it called again? Smash kick. Sm- I was smash kicking with Medicham B for 200 a lot against, like, Raikou's <laughs> and just, like, stopping up RCS stars and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, like, not super interesting games. There are definitely, like, some close sets where, like, oh, I almost, like, they almost got me with a boss artillery into Iono, but, like, I managed to scrape out those last couple of prizes I needed before they took six in a row. Um, Overall, yeah, just a lot of uh, urshying. Um, I think my most, I, I like, I hit Unified Wings, which was like an <laughs> incredibly easy matchup. I was joking as soon as I found out they were playing it. I was like, oh, I, give me that, give me that, please. Um, yeah, poor Alex uh, just he had the yeah, plot armor all of day one, and then hit Victor playing Lost Box into you playing. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, rip. Yeah, I was like, I felt I, I didn't want to be the villain that knocked Unified Wings out of uh, old notoriety, but. Now it's just now the deck doesn't even function in the meta. So um, I think that uh, the most interesting game I had was like probably against Arc Dudra because um, I had like a really we had a really cool set where like game one and two function kind of similarly to the way that the Arc Dura matchup plays out because I mean mm-hmm. you can't really do that much to a Gudra. Um Honestly, a Gudra is almost harder to deal with than a Duraladon. I feel like uh, for, it felt like at the time because I mean. At least I can hit a Duraldon for 140. Uh, mm-hmm. I can only hit a Gujar for 60. So um, it's just so bad when you it, actually say the number. It's like, oh my gosh! Yeah. You have to, so God, we had that, this five shot. It you have to five shot the Gujar. Well, so we had this crazy game three where my opponent got 
So I, I, I took two friends on RCS, and then his board was Guja Active, Babarel on Bench, Alex Sam on Bench. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to this crazy, like, I had one, I had one or Shifu prize as well um, in this game, once when basic or Shifu beat. Um, so the game starts with I, um, you know, I knock out his RCS with 100 furious blows. He swings into my Urshifu for 200 with a Gudra. And then I bring my my Gudra back to attack him for 60 with an on VMAX. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he bosses the Urshifu to take two prizes on it. I bring the Intellion back up, hit him for 60 again. So he's at 180 now. Mm-hmm. And then he hits it again. I go Cheryl, retreat, attack with the other Intellion for 60 again. So now he has, uh, sorry, now he should have 180. Yeah, now he has 180. Yeah, so 90 um, HP so left. Third hit with the Intellion. Yeah, um, and then he hits my my Intellion, and my next turn I go Hisuian Heavy Ball, grab the Urshihuvi, bench it, Melanie, Rapid Strike Energy, uh, Ultra Ball for Alakazam, bench it, Double Gunner, move 20 to the active, retreat, hit for 70 plus the 20 is exactly <laughs> 270 damage. And he, so now his word is just Alex and Burial, and he was just, you could tell, like, he thought he thought he had it, for sure. Oh, yeah. Until, like, I just, like, exact mapped by pulling, by doing seven, ten more damage, the ten more damage with the Urshifu V. Um, and, yeah, it was just, it was just over from there. I think that was, like, my most, like, the, the coolest play I made all week, and there were a lot of them with, like, Yoga Loop and stuff, but that was definitely the most interesting thing I got to do. That's actually, um, that's a really sick play. Cause even as you're saying it, it's like in my mind, if I'm a Gudra player, you're doing 60 a turn. Like you're going to continue to do 60 a turn. Cause yeah. Hunter furious blows. You forget it's an attack. You don't forget it's an attack. I yeah. forget it's an attack. And I, and I don't even have an Urshifu on the board. Right. Like I, like and I, I'd have to Melanie attached to it. So it's like, he was, yeah, I definitely was not, was not thinking I was going to hundred furious blows and do exact map and knock it. Um, I think uh, the other, I guess the only like other interesting thing was like against Maridon, um he kept it like, I hit the same guy twice. That was both of my Maridons were the same guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the cool interaction was like, he would motivate with Squawkabilly, put two energy on the bench. And then because I don't play boss, I couldn't boss around it. So I can't one shot it with anything. Mm-hmm. So then he gets the Raichu V next turn. So now I have to like he's he's gonna take three prizes next turn for sure, and I'm not gonna take any prizes this turn. So that's like cool little interaction with that matchup. Um, but otherwise, I think yeah, I think it ten RC stacks, um, two Maridon, two Guardi, two Lost Walks, and Unified Wings. Um, the Guardians and Lost. My three losses were uh, so Christian Labella who's playing Arthur Duraldon. Uh, he played the matchup really well, and I just had some like slightly unfortunate draws. Um, and you know it, it was a close close best of three mm-hmm. um and then i lost to uh uh victor on uh because game two i prized uh double octillery and then like i did a stupid thing this is like my worst mistake of the whole day where like i benched the remoraid when i like didn't really need to because it gave him the out to like knock it out and then echoing horn knock it out again um which put him down to three prizes mm-hmm. um so i need to knock out one Max. so that was just like a, a little mistake i made um that cost me um, and then game three, I open Intellion pass, and he goes turn one Raikou. So it's like, okay, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a, those are a couple games for sure. Um, and then um, my only other loss was against Arceus Reggie Drago, um, <laughs> which is very scary because like Noivern EX, and you can't attach special energy, mm-hmm. um, which isn't like the worst thing in the world. You can get energy on ahead of time, but like game one, I opened like three energy retrieval, three water energy, uh, draw pass, and he just like. He he set up and I just drew. I was also I was gonna pass again, so I just hooped. And then game two, I opened Remoraid, attacked water into Remoraid pass. So it was like um uh, my my only three losses of the tournament, I say that Christian Lobel is the only person I really lost to, you know. Those those dead draws are that that's rough. Like like you said, the Arc Drago, they have the Northern, yeah, they have the Gudra, so it's like both of them are like yeah. <laughs> hard. But And that's like and like I didn't take that too hard. Like that's what you because I started seven zero and then I lost those two in a row to Christian and Victor, and then I won round ten, lost round eleven, and then won out. Um, mm-hmm. And like I think that like the whole time I was like whatever because that's kind of how you expect to lose with the deck, right? Like the deck has yeah. unless you hit me, like you're you're beating everything unless you just like draw really bad um, because like the deck isn't the most consistent deck in the world. You're gonna have one or two rounds where you just like double brick and scoop up your cards. 
I love that. I feel like there's a lot of the mental side of the game that you're really like getting at here. And like you clearly have a very strong mental in the game, too, of just like, yeah, I bricked. It sucked. Next next round. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's like that's a really good something I'm terrible at. I will fully admit I get so tilted if I brick and I assume a lot of listeners do, too. So is there anything that you're like able to get in that mindset of like, well, I got donked. Oh, well, let's go to the next round and win that people like myself can get. Because if I get donked, ooh, I'm salty. If I misplay, I'm like, yeah, that's because I'm not that good at this game sometimes. But like if I get donked, I'm like, oh, I no. hate this. <laughs> See, yeah, I don't know. For me, it's the opposite. For me, if I get donked, I'm like, oh, that sucks. Like, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. this game sucks. If I like if like if I misplay, that's when I play on tilt. Like, I that's when I'm like, oh, like. I I'm ruining my tournament run. If mm-hmm. I get donked, I'm like, that's just variance. That's part of my, my 15 round tournament experience, you know? And like, that's, that's one of the 15 rounds that that's just what happens. And I accounted for that when I picked my deck mm-hmm. and um, prepared for this event, I accounted for the fact that I could just brick and lose. Um, and the only way for me to correct the variance of uh, just losing because I double dead drew is by playing up to my standard for the rest of the tournament so that I don't, it doesn't, you know, like for every game that you get double donk, there's going to be a game where you need to play perfectly to make, even though you drew slightly off and you're going to be able to win it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like the most important thing is if you let yourself get tilted and then you like, you get like double, donk, you just have two terrible rounds in a row. You know, you like, um, you hit an auto loss and then you double brick. It's like, well, like, that should be something that you accounted for when you made your deck choice. I would expect to lose to double break at least once a tournament. Um, and you need to make sure that you are still playing at like, like the, the level that you need for your deck to function um, for the rest of the tournament. Otherwise, um, because you, you can't afford to take that third loss that you didn't account for just from player error. I love that. That is... Something I still have to take to heart, but I appreciate the feedback there. And I assume a lot of other people do of just like how to get over that idea of like, I bricked. I hate this. This is the worst thing ever. My deck sucks. You know, that that general spiraling down. <laughs> yeah, I like when people tell me like I have I'm like, yeah, I'm not, like, oh, I like didn't make a two of this event because this round I double bricked. And it's like, like, I am a, if you are if you like feel like you didn't make a two of an event because you double bricked and like that is like. Sometimes I feel like I didn't make the huge event because I hit like a few bad matchups that I like didn't maybe shouldn't have like statistically speaking. Mm-hmm. But like I I don't get mad about individual games. I get mad about runs. Like I, I get salty about the days over and I didn't make the two because I played like Reggie's without path and hit three Arctur or something like that. Yeah. Um. Like at the end of the day, like you're going to hit bad matchups. You're going to double brick. It's all part of like the, the process, the journey to like the day two or deep into the tournament. And you just need to take every game, one game at a time and like trust that you made the right choice because you're just going back on it. Now you just got to play and you got to pray that your deck works. Pray that your deck works is always the best advice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How do you, would you, say the consistency of urshifu is you kind of alluded to it a little bit but i think this is another thing that a lot of people are like oh this deck like its biggest enemy is itself do you think that's true do you think it's a little overblown you're like for the most part the comeback can let you have a bad start like where do you kind of sit in that idea of consistency for urshifu or inteleon yeah i think i think it's overblown i think that like this happens with a lot of decks like um like malamar or greninja um decks that are like known for not drawing super well um and i think that like all of these decks have one thing in common of like comeback potential right mm-hmm. so i think that a lot of people even when even just testing like when you were on tilt you're less likely to notice your own mistakes um and if you start a game and you're like oh i'm drawing so bad like i can't win um you are going to be a little bit tilted you might make more mistakes or you maybe you concede too early um but like a deck like Intellion or Shifu, Malamar, Greninja, all these comeback decks, it's like if you play the deck per- like perfectly and you play to your outs, a lot of time like I get to the late game a lot and my opponent like I owners me to one or two and I'm like, man, that's not a lot of cards, but like 67% of the cards in my deck will win me the game. Mm-hmm. So it's like 
you have so many outs. As long as you play to them, the deck will usually, like, the plan will usually fall into place. You just have to make sure that you don't stray from straight from the plan. You got to keep going. You have to, like, plan everything out, make sure that you know exactly what to do, what your best odds of winning are based on um, what you have available at your disposal. And you have such positive, over like, overwhelmingly positive matchups against most of the field mm -hmm. that if you draw well, that if you don't draw well, like, you can make that up in just, like, playing really well and, like, then, you know, maybe you get, like, a lucky top deck here or there um, that'll bail you out of a really bad situation. And then while we're still on the run, before we jump into the deeper, because we're starting to get into some of the stuff on, you know, Inteleon or Shifu as a deck. Game three of finals. It's spoiler alert, I guess. You should go back and watch it. But uh, that was a very fast game, <laughs> to put it, to yeah, put it lightly. How, yeah, it was pretty quick. Um, how, like, how did you feel after getting that win in game three within, you know, turn three, essentially, you know, you're one, he's two, and then you're three. Yeah. How did that feel? How, I, what were you I, thinking? I didn't, I didn't, I like, I didn't have like, I was just overwhelmed, you know, like mm -hmm. I started crying on the stage, like my hands were in my, my hand, my head was in my hands, like. I was I was bawling. I like that like I could not believe what had just happened. Even like as soon as like I had an Asubian heavy like people joked like uh oh I should have a Subian heavy ball to make sure I didn't have any tower prize before <laughs> I used the rapid strike search because I had an Asubian. I'm like, no, I that he passed and I was like, it's if I I'm just doing it. I have game. This is I'm <laughs> I won the event. Um and I just went for it. Um and it's like I think that like it's, it really was, like, not to cop out, but, like, a kind of an indescribable feeling. It was just, like, an overwhelmingly mm -hmm. positive emotion. It's, like, probably one of the most euphoric feelings, I think, that I've ever felt in my life. I'm just, like, this rush of, like, you know, accomplishment. Um, yeah. And uh, I even, like, it's only started hitting me, like, to, like today, yesterday, um, that, like, this is, like... I have now won the international championships um, because it's it just it feels especially as someone who's been playing since they were like a really young kid and spectating for so long mm -hmm. it feels like not real you know it feels like like it, it doesn't winning an international the fact like I have friends who have done it obviously but like the idea of winning a major Pokemon event of coming first feels like uh, something in that I would watch, you know, it doesn't feel like something that would happen mm -hmm. um, in my real life. So I love that. that. This is like a perfect like thing, right? There are people who are in the shoes you were in of they are watching. They watched you win this tournament. What would you say to those individuals who are where you were, you know, a few years ago of like, I'd never imagine that's going to be me. I like I'm the one watching it. And now you're the one winning it. So what advice do you have between those two steps for those individuals who were watching you win that tournament? I guess, like, just, the, like, the cliche, never, like, never give up, you know? Like, it's, if you have, like, that kind of, like, I've always been, like, very, very passionate about the game. I'm, a, like, you know, I'm neurodivergent, as so part of it's, like, probably, like, special interest on of Pokemon. Mm -hmm. um, but I've always just had this, like, passion for Pokemon, and it's all, like, what I put all of my time and energy to. And if you have that, like, that passion and drive to just keep playing the game, um, like, just, you might just stumble into it eventually, you know? It, you know, someone has to win the international championships everywhere, every year. And so many players are, like, good enough to put themselves in the running, you know? Like, I think that there are, you know, hundreds and hundreds of players that are good enough to you know, pick the right deck for an international championship and win it. You just have to keep, like, keep focusing on the game and, like, don't give up on it. Believe that you can do it. I always say that the most important thing in Pokemon when you sit down at the table is to know and just, like, imagine that you are going to win. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned the... I mean, that was great, but <laughs> that kind of gave me the idea of, like... <laughs> You mentioned the like, 
you love the game. You have this like hyper focus of Pokemon because a lot of us do. Pokemon is amazing, right? Like it is a great franchise. It's super fun game. It's everything about it's great. One of the things that comes to mind for me about you is during the pandemic, during the online era of Pokemon, you were working and do you still work with Atlas Collectibles? Yeah, so um, for a couple of years during the pandemic, I worked at Atlas Collectibles. Okay. I no longer work there, mm-hmm. but I am still affiliated in the sense that I just, I only, like, I know them, I'm friends with a lot of people there, and I also just got sponsored by the Shuffle Squad, who is also sponsored by Atlas, so. Perfect. Oh, good shout out then for your new sponsor, which is similar <laughs> yeah. to one of your old employers. The Shuffle Squad, yeah. yeah, exactly. You were always the person who was behind the massive amounts of store credit, at least in my mind. The mass amounts of store credit that were being given in these online tournaments from, you know, Atlas. Was that like something that you were the one of like, hey, this is a big deal we can do? Or were you just the one that they tasked with that? Were you like that big supporter of the community? Because that's what my mind thinks of you as because you were the face of it to me. Yeah, so actually, um, I didn't work at Atlas when I started running those tournaments. Mm -hmm. So um the, the Atlas Championship Series sort of was adapted from an old tournament series on Facebook called the JGB Invitational. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, I worked with the person who ran that as well as many other online organizers and other professors on uh, Pokemon Online Global Championships. Um, and I did a lot of the spearheading for securing the sponsorships for that. And our lead sponsor for that was Atlas Collectibles. Um, and the person who owned the JGB Invitational Series, um, he wanted to take a break from it, but he still wanted to keep it running. Um, and because I had done all this work on uh, Pog, um, he invited me to take over the series for him. And I was more than happy to. I uh, wanted to keep the events going too. So I took that up and I reached out to Atlas and we sort of negotiated and worked out this arrangement. And then, um, you know, it came to like they didn't have like a designated employee who could like ass- like put all this store credit through the system and handle all of the like um, interactions with the players and stuff like that that were playing in the series. Um, so middle manning that was like really difficult. Um, and I ended up just being like, hey, um, I'll come work at your guys' store um, so that I have easier access to do all this stuff. I'm not like tied down to my current job, anyways. Um, and so that's how I ended up working at Atlas, and that way I could work there. They could pay me for my time, and I could also, um, in that time, you know, manage this tournament series um, with a easier access to their resources on prize payouts and stuff like that. Nice. One of those things that I didn't preface that we were going to talk about that, but like as the conversation went on, I was like, "Wait a minute! I really want <laughs> to get into this stuff because that was like." Oh my gosh, yes, you are the face and the name behind so much stuff, like you said, like Pog being one of them, which was so massive during the pandemic, right? That was our like fake worlds. And I was looking back at because I'm vain and I looked at my own limitless page and then I looked at Pog and I was looking <laughs> at the like the names around me in that like top 32 and it was like, yeah, there were a lot of really good players. <laughs> yeah, this thing. because I like my big thing was like as someone who like that was my, uh, would have been my first Worlds, um, the year that I got canceled. Mm-hmm. And so, um, for me, I had, like, a big, you know, obviously, like, disappointment, as many people did, about, like, having to miss that tournament. Um, and I just wanted to make sure that, like, I wanted to give the players with Worlds invites, um, especially, like, top players, a chance to, like, still show that they still compete with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um and so we we had like um the that day two we had like a we, we designed a system where i like reached out to all of the players that would have been playing in day two of worlds uh, including some of like a selective amount of like juniors and seniors and they all got like auto invites to day two so i think that's what like made that event in comparison to um the second pog even um like so feel like so much uh really very competitive you know because most of the people in day two the majority of them were players that would have been playing in day two of the world yeah there's like it was you know brand bradner versus sander in finals right and like that's yeah something you would expect i think like 
I think like Will Jenkins in top eight. Yeah, Pablo was uh, in top eight. Yeah, Pablo in top eight. Yeah, so it's like it was. Yeah, that was that was a great event. Uh, anyway, I'm going to get angry DMs if we don't get into this stuff. Uh, the Urshifu. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll jump back into the the Inteleon Urshifu deck, moving into, you know, the future of Edge Cups challenges. They exist still. I don't want to belittle that because if people are listening, don't know. You can currently earn points for the 2024 season at Cups and Challenges, stuff like that. So definitely a consideration for any of those should be Inteleon Urshifu. And then Worlds, of course, is coming up as well. And we have a handful of people who are going to either be playing in Worlds Day 1 or the Okama Open or even some Worlds Day 2 people who listen to the podcast. So moving forward, Inteleon Urshifu. Is this... Okay, first and foremost, most important question. Is the mirror match fun, I guess? I've never played the mirror match. Never. Not Sick. Once in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> um, it sounds... It sounds fun like i feel like yeah uh really set up like sh- yoga loop shenanigans on octillaries i feel like it's probably fun for the first few turns but then like eventually it probably comes down to like getting iono with no octillery in play and like hoping okay seeing what happens but i have no idea yeah i've, I've not played the matchup to be honest all right so fo- folks are gonna play it uh you have to figure that out yourself if that's a fun mirror match because there's plenty of yeah, unfun mirror can, matches can, yeah if you if you uh, pay for my Medify, uh, I can play the deck against you. We can play Mirror Match. That actually feels like a really good... Do you do coaching? I mean, okay, stupid question. You have Medify, I, but... I, I've, I've done coaching since, like, 2018, but I only just got on Medify after NAIC. Nice. So I know who wants to play the deck or test against the deck. I think that's highly underrated. Like, if you want to test against Urshfu and Teleon, hire Cyrus, and they will walk you through. Yeah, you, how want, to... a good, you want a good opponent, yeah. Yeah, that's incredibly invaluable. So, highly recommend that for anyone who uh, needs that type of coaching, either playing or beating. Or if beating's even possible, I guess. Some matchups are <laughs> kind of rough. Unbeatable. Is the list you played, do you think that it felt like, yeah, I got the 60, like, I'm a genius, this was perfect? Are you like, ah, there's some pieces in here that I feel like could be messed around with? Like, was Cheryl as a one-of? Was that like, yeah, Cheryl was really good? Or like... This is going to be stupid because you mentioned how good yeah. it was. But Echoing Horde, you know, the other types of one-ups are like, yeah, these are staples or maybe not. Yeah, I honestly think that like I, I what I did when I built the list originally was I just looked at a bunch of like deck lists that have been doing well online. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of like looked at, used that to see what all of my options were. Um, and I drafted up a list, I think. Uh, and then I, I gave it to a couple of people. Um, I originally had like a Spiritomb in there. Um, and I think maybe one or two other things, but um, I had uh, Andrew Estrada did a lot of testing on the deck, um, although he didn't apply it. And I, he recommended cutting something for a second Cheryl mm-hmm. um, and then cutting the Spirit Tomb because we were like, I oh, was probably just going to lose the Mew anyways, um, to for a fan of waves to help like against Lugia and Arceus a little bit. Um, and that seemed fine. I, I made those changes. The second Melanie was really, really good. Um, I don't know if I said second Cheryl, but I meant second Melanie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the second Melanie was really, really good. Um, and I was like, yeah, we definitely don't need Spirit Tomb. And then I think I just, the only other change I made after that was I cut um, the Phantom Waves for an energy search like the day before the event because I was like, ah, I just want to feel a little more consistent. Um, and that ended up being like huge. I think like then. So, like, I think the, the list went through, like, one change um, from its, like, changed, like, two cards from its initial list. And I honestly, playing the event, it felt, it felt perfect. I, people, a lot of people have obviously asked me if I'd change anything. And I think, like, I, depending on your meta, I'd, like, maybe cut the third Iono for a second Karina, just because, like, if you have to discard your, or use your Karina earlier as prized, and then you get, like, Ionode and Octavio used to only have to draw supporter, like, that can be annoying. Mm-hmm. Um but that was really it. Like otherwise, like that the fifty nine, I felt was like perfect. So is that one of the primary uses of Karina? Because like the obvious is you auxiliary for the Karina to draw. But are you saying like okay, a lot of the time you want to save it for when you get IO node, assuming you're not dead drawing earlier or whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like if I have another draw supporter in hand, I will probably just play that, uh, even if Karina's like gonna get me like. A little bit more value um mm-hmm. off a of search because i'd rather not like break in the mid game 
Um, cause that, that's big. It, it, it is, um, as you get into the middle of the game, you don't have that many supporters left. You really want to be able to just get a fresh hand off of an Iona with Octillery. Basically turns Octillery into a big barrel, right? So, um, I definitely would say that's the main use of Karina. Another question is bench management with this deck. It looks to me like a bit of a headache because you always want an Octillery. That's like kind of a duh. But mm-hmm. then it's like, well, when am I going to set up a second Octillery to play around the boss? How many Italians do I want up? When am I benching the Urshifu? You know, like obviously against Guardi, probably not going to bench the Urshifu. Other matchups, am I going to bench it early? Like, how does the bench actually look? The Alakazam, are you saving it until right when you need it? Are you going to rush it out ASAP? You know, is Luminion just a, I need to save myself here because I'm dead drawing other otherwise because you can't afford the bench space like what does a bench look like for this deck uh so it, it definitely depends on the matchups i think that like against guardy you're usually trying to get down one room raid mm-hmm. and then like maybe another one if it seems like it's, it's really about like identifying the situ- for like the second room raid it's about identifying the situations in which it seems opportune for them to boss uh your lone artillery because mm-hmm. sometimes like you even don't want to match another one because you want to bait the boss on artillery because you're you you might only have a few cards in hand but maybe you have a research and then you're like okay well boss artillery and then you only get one rise and i get to take a huge lead because i just reset up research mm-hmm. um or um there are definitely games where like i only set up one artillery because the way the board state is developing i'm like oh well like i only need to find like one card each turn for the next few turns to keep my game plan rolling so i probably don't need an artillery to do like to do that it's probably not worth the bench spot if i can just like win by putting down like an extra shifu right now or something like that Mm -hmm. um i'd say like alexam is usually more of when you use it for the most part um against guardy i like to play it a bit more proactively um you saw like in top four against cal like turn two i think i went for um triple intellion and alexam double room rate just because like that was the the resources that it seemed like I could have access to that game, um, and against Guardians is really good to just keep just like spam as many double gunners and Alex Sam's as you can in the early game because you know obviously there's obviously the KOing or else and Corellias, but like also a lot of Gardevoir players put down the Zacian right away mm-hmm. and then um, the Zacian no longer is a threat because you can just hit with double gunner a few times and now it can no longer one shot an Inteleon. Um, once it can't one shot an Inteleon, it's really not very threatening at all. You will out because you'll out prize race it. Um, so I think that like most games you are gonna go double artillery, single Inteleon, singular Shifu, but if you think your opponent's gonna knock out your Inteleon, then you want double Inteleon. If you think it's like crippling for you if they knock out your Remorade, um, then you want two. But usually if you have like a draw supporter, it's fine to just grab one, because if they boss it, then you can just find another Remorade next turn and get your artillery MI. They're not really not usually gonna have time to boss them both. Um so it's really about I think I think the way you manage your bench is very much about understanding how your opponent's game is going to play it more than your own. Um, what is my opponent going to have to target down this game to not have their board crippled? Because that's the big thing with the deck is like your opponent has to like make so so many difficult decisions about what on your board to target um, because any turn could be game over for them with a yoga loop play. Yoga loop is such a good attack. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's my favorite. I like probably my favorite card, at least in standard. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else with the deck because it just it looks so like clean. The list, like everything you've described is just so good. Like the two energy retrieval, I assume, or like you could never go down to one because the double gunner is so good or. Yeah, yeah, like you. Especially because you have to discard one sometimes. Um, you really, you definitely like want to energy. You don't want to have to like turn after energy. Retrieval. You want to draw into it naturally and do forty damage to bench of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the energy search is so perfect. Like the energy search really felt like like I felt like the deck jumped up like twenty percent consistency with energy search because I can irida for it. And then like what? Because some games, especially with only six water, like you just have like games where you just don't get an energy early enough. And then you just like do nothing. You're just like, okay, I'm I'm doing 140 a turn. You have a manatee on the bench. Like, great, my deck doesn't seem that good anymore. Yeah. Um, but as soon as you get one energy in the discard pile, and then those double retrievals, and then you still have the Iridos in deck, um, it feels like the deck flows so much more consistently as soon as you get one water in discard. Especially because you get like access to Melanie as a draw supporter, which is also really good. Um, so I'd say like 
prioritize like getting energy in the discard early. Um, like you want to have two energy in discard, um, even if you don't like 100% know where you want to double gunner yet. But if you think your opponent might know, I don't know you should probably use both double gunner, like as many double gunners as you can because you want energy in discard in case you draw into retrieval. Um, another thing is like remembering that Echoing Horn is a Rapid Strike card. I think I Rapid Strike searched for that pretty much every single time that I used it. Um, because that's the hardest piece of the puzzle to find when you need echoing word for game. Um, so that that's pretty big. Um, and definitely like conserve your escape rope. Like escape rope is like a really, really powerful card in the deck. So you don't have any other bench access. And um, your opponent's best strategy for avoiding yoga loop plays all the time is putting up the Pokemon that you want on yoga loop because then you can't double gunner it. So um, I would say like like knowing how to use your escape rope. Uh, how to set up your Echoing Horn plays and um, make like when to double gunner and uh, when to like overextend your resources just in case you got Ionode is like very important. Last question for the deck is no boss's orders. Is a boss's orders a consideration moving forward for something like Worlds because your opponent's going to play like uh, they probably don't play boss because they normally don't? Or do you really think it's like, not necessary like even if they know i don't have boss it doesn't matter because i have so much bench access with double gunner rapid flow painful spoons yoga loop etc yeah i think like thing is like boss it just doesn't you're usually not going to take your last two prizes with boss right because you're usually going to take your last two prizes with like rapid flow or yoga loop plays um so you're not usually going to want to use Lumineon for it because that takes up a bench spot. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas most decks, you know, you're fine to play one if you have Lumineon because then you just zoom in for boss or game. Um, but it doesn't really work like that in this deck. That's why um, it's just like I don't. I need it in the middle of the game. I might not be able to bench. Uh, it's it's usually only going to fetch me two prizes at most a boss. Um, so if I have to bench a two a really easy knockout two prize liability, take two prizes in the mid game. When I could easily just probably just pick off those two prizes later, it doesn't really make sense for me to include it. Um, I think it's just like, it, if you hit it at the right times, it would be amazing. But um, I think it just is not worth it because in the in the early game, that would probably be the best time for the deck to utilize a boss, picking off Curlias and stuff like that. But in the early game, you don't really have time to play a boss. You have to get set up. You have to keep. You're you're not a like fast enough deck to. Um, you have to like establish a really wide board as quickly as possible. Um, so you have to be playing draw supporters. So there just isn't enough opportunities for you to use boss to justify playing it. Whereas like a one of Cheryl or one of Clara, I can Lumineon for a Cheryl in the middle of the game and be fine with getting those two prizes because it, it saved me three to six prizes by playing that Cheryl. Um, so it, it's really just like the prize value of like, a card that you're pretty much going to have to loom on for it like 90% of the times that you want to use it. That makes a lot of sense. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> uh, before we go, <laughs> any other last second thoughts, advice, anything like that that you have for anyone who is listening as either an Inteleon player or we already talked a little bit about, you know, people who are watching or like, I want to do what they did. Any other last second piece of advice, thoughts, etc.? Um, I would say that paying attention to statistics in the game is actually like a really big part of it right now. Um, a lot of my strongest deck choices the past season have been just come from looking at play.limitless win rates and stuff like that. And obviously, you know, people discount play discount that because, you know, the player quality is like, I mean, uh, I think objectively, at least a little bit lower than uh, like major events. Um, and plus you factor in like people no showing for rounds, getting counted as losses and stuff like that. But I think that overall, those win rates do translate pretty well into major event success. Like, I mean, before Arctino won a regionals, I was telling everyone to play it because it was the highest deck on the played out limitless win rate. And Teleon was the highest deck on the played out limitless win rate before NAIC. Um, Arc Gudra, before I touched Team Furia with it, was the highest deck on the win limitless win rate so i think that like paying attention to those statistics is actually a really big part of the game right now and even if you have doubt in some of those decks at the top just like give them a try and see if they work right like there's there's no harm in being like oh this deck looks like it's winning a lot of games i should try it um 
and I mean, like, even if you want to delve into like the specific matchups and see what it's doing well against, like, I, I saw that Unified Wings was doing well on the win rates, but it wasn't beating lost boxes that it was like sort of struggling a little bit against some other stuff. So I was like, I'm not going to try that because it doesn't, it doesn't have the matchups, but if you look at Inteleon's matchups, it says Inteleon beats everything and it's a Sadasai's win rate. So it's like, Oh, okay. I mean, I can't be that bad. Yeah. Um, so I think paying attention to the statistics is actually like a really good um, way to play your season safe, especially for like league cups and challenges. Um, the other thing is like, don't, I, I think like, for newer players, especially as we're going into a new season, if you have a deck that you like really, really like, I, I wouldn't like just discount it if it feels like it's phasing out of the meta. Um, like stick stick with it. Like the, it's really good for new players to, st- to pick one deck and really like know how to use it because at the end of the day, like the w- your skill is going to be more important than the deck that you play for a tournament. Um, it's just like as long as long as you're not playing a like a tier five deck like if you're playing like a tier one tier two or like semi-competitive like mostly competitive deck your skill can probably carry you to a a regional day two or a league cup especially like definitely a league cup top eight or like a league challenge win um you just really want to know how to play your deck before anything else and not spend too much time like freaking yourself out over your deck choice because that definitely like takes a lot of energy and i think it like that removes a lot of quality testing time for people leading up to events is like the amount of time they spend like picking a deck Mm -hmm. those are both great pieces of advice and i'm gonna be honest i'm tempted to cut the first one out about data and just keep that to myself but you know we'll we'll leave that in the podcast (laughs) so everyone else can have it too (laughs) nice nice cyrus i know you already mentioned some sponsors in your metify but shout outs you have where can the people find you sponsors etc Go for it. Floor is yours. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CyrusDavisTCG. Uh, that's like my, the main place I post. I just started a Threads. So I don't even remember what I made my <laughs> username on that. Um, and then yeah, Medify Cyrus Davis. Um, I just started coaching on there. I have a few different services available. Whether you want coaching or if you just want to play some games for a lower price um, with like no coaching involved, you just want to just sit and test. Um, if you're looking for a good testing partner, I'm always available. And if anyone like has questions about what those sort of services entails, my DMs are always open as well. Um, I'd like to shout out my sponsor, the Shuffle Squad. I'm very grateful to the opportunity I have now to continue like growing um, how I play this game by joining a team. And overall, I think that I want to give a shout out to like all of the people that supported me during NAIC, um, especially like Girl Power TCG. I'm not like officially affiliated with them, but I love them. Everyone there is like amazing. Um, I want to give a big shout out to them because I think that they are doing like a really important service to our community by giving um, like trans and non-binary and female players in this community like a really safe space to attend events. I know so many people who have um, come come to regionals because they have this like group of people they can just they hang out with. They might not know anybody else, but they have this group that they know they can feel safe with. Um, and so, although I don't have any official affiliation, I'd like to give like the biggest shout out to them because I think they're doing something really important for our game. A couple things to add to those. Uh, first off, we, we love girl power here. Uh, we did have a takeover episode back in Women's History Month where Pokey Emmy took over the, the lead of the podcast and interviewed <laughs> a couple individuals. So if you did not get a chance to listen to that one, because our listenership has grown, uh, please go back and listen to that one. It was a couple months ago where Emmy did a wonderful job. And then you mentioned DMing you. You're very responsive. I will confirm that because I had DMed you after Toronto when I was testing for San Diego before I canceled it about your Volpe pick stack and you were incredibly responsive incredibly detailed and it was great having someone who was like yeah uh, i will tell you everything about the deck good play bad play text <laughs> all the stuff and it was like oh this is great so 100 percent recommend if you have any questions for cyrus please dm her because she is so like on point wants to talk pokemon so 10 out of 10 twitter follow and you know everything with that myself you can find me on thank twitch you, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube, and apparently threads as mellow underscore Magikarp, except threads, there's no underscore, because I try to make a threads with mellow underscore Magikarp, and that is taken by a person who really likes illicit drugs. So it's just mellow Magikarp <laughs> on there, no underscore. Always I'm pretty sad. <laughs> it's very sad, very sad to find that one out. I've posted nothing anyway, so it doesn't matter. But 
Uh, I, I do illicit drugs with email magic cart. <laughs> you don't have to hide. It can be you. It is <laughs> it is very blatantly not me if you look at uh, their picture. So we, we look nothing alike. But. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, rate and review the show. All the good stuff. Cyrus, thank you so much for joining us. This has been another episode of the Lake of Rage podcast. <laughs> we'll catch you all next week.